Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. Good evening and welcome to our first episode for 2011. Our guests this week include Joe Wilcox. He's a controversial commentator. Sometimes we agree with him about technology issues. Sometimes we don't. He's always informative and he's always entertaining. We'll also hear from Stephen Baker of the NTD Group about the sales, hits, misses, and projections for 2010 and 2011. We'll have Rob Pegarero of the Washington Post with a reality check about net neutrality, a la carte cable and satellite TV, and lots more this week on The Tech Night Owl Live. We have columnist Joe Wilcox joining us once again. And so we thought we'd continue with our wrap-ups of the best and worst stories of 2010. And what I've done with other people, Joe, is rather than simply focus on what the best products might be or the best stories, I look at the other end of the table, the worst stuff. So... What do you th- <laughs> so, Joe? What do you think were some of the worst stories and/or products that you encountered in 2010? Oh gosh! Well, how about how would I talk about a trend? Uh, which a trend to makes it for me. Let's go for the trend. Okay, uh, a negative trend would be news reporting. How's that? <laughs> well, you know, I have always had this beef with reporters in general, but uh-huh. my beef is that they don't always ask the hard questions, you know? There's no probing, there's no investigative reporting. They simply sit back and ask a few softball questions and walk away. And this isn't the way I was brought up. Sorry. Well, I would say 2010 was the year of asking no questions whatsoever. Okay, uh, so saw- what are the questions they didn't ask? None. I mean, really, the, the we've seen a, a real a collapse of news reporting in, in 2010, and it, it's partly result. Some people call the economy the whole problem started in September 2008. A lot of good, very good journalists were, were laid off. Experienced journalists were laid off in uh, 2009 and, and 2010. Uh, we saw the rise of the aggregators in 2009, exposing everywhere in 2010. And so you what see do you a lot mean of by aggregators? Uh, basically, uh, instead of lots of organizations doing original reporting, we have a few doing original reporting and others just kind of doing synopsis of their stories or just cutting and pasting the whole stories and putting them on their other sites. They're looking to, to collect on the you know, advertising from the Google, Google free economy. It's been a bad year for sourcing of stories. Some blog, maybe even some, some reputable news site would write story A, and then they become the source for a thousand or more news reports around the web. So basically all they do is quote the original story, period. Right. That's really helped to propagate a lot of rumors uh, and speculation. Uh, I guess it's good free marketing for a lot of the the tech companies and and others, uh, but it's not really good for accuracy in media. You know, we're the losers, the the journalists, and the readers that are looking for, you know, the the good information. Of course, there are a lot of enthusiasts out there that love rumors. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there is a market for it, I should say. Well, you have a situation here is rumor site A says, okay, this is going to happen. Here's a new case, for example, for iPad 2.0. And then rumor site B says, as rumor site A said, here's the new case. And then it suddenly becomes a major story because two rumor sites have reported it, even though actually only one did. Exactly. And so then it probably, so then it multiplies, right? Then it becomes four, eight, and it just keeps on going as, uh, and then, then you have this one rumor site sourcing another rumor site 
who who sourced the original site. So then you start to move away from the original source. And, you know, if you don't actually spend time chasing it down to see where that story first came from, you may think, wow, we're getting some original stuff here. This is what Apple's going to do. This is what Microsoft is going to do, whatever, whatever. And it's like the single rumor in the old days, yeah. you know, when you would simply tell your neighbor something. <laughs> and you say to your neighbor, okay, I think this is going to happen. So your neighbor being human will embellish that. Now, this doesn't happen, of course, in Indian tribes where you have to have accurate oral generation of a story. You know, if you orally give a story or a legend from one person to the next, they're trained to be accurate. That's what they tell me. But here, you know, you tell something to somebody. They embellish it because people embellish stories. And by yep. the time you've heard it 17 generations later, my God, it's such a story. <laughs> and we're seeing a lot of that on, on the web. So you want an actual worst story of the year? Let's lay it on me, maybe even two. All right. Uh, the one that comes to mind, uh, comes to the top of mind would be Gizmodo's iPhone leak, stolen, lost, however you want to categorize it, story. I and, just think uh, they were so plain stupid the way they handled it. Well, well, there are a number of issues. I mean, for, as actually as an editorial package, Gizmodo, you know, Gawker did an exceptional job. Their presentation was really good uh, and well thought out. However, <laughs> the the uh, the reporting behind it, there were n- numerous issues. Uh, you know, one is the the ownership of the phone. You know, whether they should have paid for it, whether it should have been returned right away. Those are those are ethical and legal issues uh, to consider. But something more fundamental is ac- the actual reporting. If you look at what Gizmodo reported about the the leaked stolen phone, and then what Apple actually released later on. They missed a hell of a lot. It's, it's like they had the scoop of the year, and they muffed it. Well, let's look at that, because they seem to understand it's going to be a squared-off case. Right. They got that right. I guess <laughs> they got right that there was going to be a front and rear-facing camera. They got that right. But, you know, after that, you know, it kind of phased off. I mean, there wasn't much more to it. There, and there was a lot to it. Uh, when you look at, uh, you know, some of, the, some of that t- technology in there regarding the battery, uh, the sensor for the camera, and so on. I mean, the, the, there's a heap of interesting technology that just didn't get reported. And they had the device for a week before they did anything with it. And what about that external antenna that became so controversial? You, well, of course, you couldn't test that. I mean, the the, sure. the, the phone had been bricked by Apple. so uh, But they could I, see I, it. I, I you know, you could look at that. the darn phone and say, oh, you know, that's interesting. Uh, no, but a lot of other phones, I can... I could repeat the death grip on other phones. Apple wasn't the only one to, to put a, uh, a, a phone in a place that if you touched it, uh, you know, held it too tightly that it might affect the, the reception. That's why I rate Consumer Reports as also doing some very bad things because Consumer Reports doesn't know that. They do not understand that. They think they have this cockamamie laboratory test where they duplicate the problem but they are totally ignorant of the fact that virtually all smartphones have a sensitive area somewhere. Well, you know what? I wouldn't have thought of it until you, until you mentioned it, but Consumer Reports, uh, that story in iPhone 4, absolutely would rate as one of my was one of the worst stories of the year because what did they do? They came out, um, they gave the phone a very high ranking you know, above other smartphones, and then almost immediately in a blog post, they reneged and said, well, we can't recommend it. It's the best of the best, but, oh, I'm sorry, 
we can't really recommend it. Uh, and not even in, in the online or, or print print publication, but well, in Well, now it is in the print post. publication. It is in the current print publication. They have a small paragraph or two about it. Oh, do they? Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's stupid correct. because they... <laughs> and it's like they're living on Planet X in the bizarro world. Right. They do not understand that you have all these stories, you have all these YouTube videos demonstrating other phones have similar problems. Why not use real-world tests, which any idiot can do? It doesn't take much. I can do it. I was able to duplicate AntennaGate on my drugstore manager's iPhone before I even had an iPhone for myself. In 15 seconds, I knew where to touch it. And in 15 seconds, the signal dropped. And I said, okay, I did it. Isn't that amazing? Right. I could do well, it. I, mean, I don't want to. I don't want to malign consumer reports in, the, in terms of. Their I do. Testing. Well, you can, but I'm not going to. In terms of their, you know, testing methodology, very reputable organization, trusted, and been around a long, for a long time. My problem is just the reporting. The fact that on the one hand they highly rate the phone, and then kind of renege on it. Uh, in a blog post that says, well, we can't really recommend it. That's not unusual for them. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. We have Joe Wilcox. He is a columnist. He can be a little controversial at times, and we like that. He works with Beta News, where a lot of his stuff is published. He's a former industry analyst. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. 
Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta cytosterol and saw palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function, and more. Check out ProstateSecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432. Or visit ProstateSecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com For our first episode of the new year, we have Joe Wilcox. He is a columnist, and we've been talking about, you know, some of the worst things done in journalism, the worst stories. And, you know, I was ranking on Consumer Reports because I like that. You know, they will, for example, take a car and give it an extraordinary rating Oh, by the way, the frequency of repair record, you know, it's below average. So it's a great car, but, you know, maybe you need more engine work. Maybe the audio isn't very good on it. It's very flaky. For example, the BMW, you think, a BMW, wow, it's a fabulous car. But the audio system is so bad because it's so flaky, it makes it have a worse than average rating. But the engine is great. But who cares if you can't hear your music, right? (laughs) Cute. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, okay, we have different opinions about Consumer Reports. Any other really bad stories before we look at some of the good stuff? No, that's it for me. I, I wasn't prepared to do good or bad, so we'll see. I, I'm not even sure what good one I can think of, but uh, how about you start, and then uh, maybe that'll, that'll uh, tip my memory. Good stories. Hmm. Investigative journalism, there's very little you know, that we learn anymore from people, except there was an interesting story. What was this? 
a All Things Digital session with one of the two CEOs for Research in Motion. Mm-hmm. And the guy was so incoherent, he had no corporate vision, he couldn't answer a single question. The guy looked like a total incompetent. I mean, if I went to RIM after this, I figured I'd run the company better than he does. Did you see that? I, I didn't, but that's not necessarily a bad thing from my perspective. There are too many product managers, uh, you know, chief executives, whatever, who are over media coached. And you try to have an interview with them, and they, they just talk their line. I, no matter what you ask, they don't really answer the question. They say something very different. So to me, a guy who's stumbling along and maybe doesn't follow the clear media coach path is refreshing. (laughs) Yeah, but I think if a person knows his business, I mean, you think Research in Motion is not just another knockoff company. They pioneered a different kind of product. They were the pioneers, one of the pioneers in smartphones, very successful. You know, they're really the one to compete against is RIM. Okay, as much or more so than Windows Phone 7 or anything else. And yet one of the CEOs doesn't know how to answer simple questions. Well, so let's talk about CEOs being unable to answer simple questions. Absolutely. Uh, Did you see uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's interview uh, at the, the D conference? The guy was sweating bullets. He really had a hard time uh, being questioned by uh, uh, Kara Swisher. Uh, And yet, look how successful Facebook is. Uh, He's uh, really done a remarkable job in terms of the the execution Uh, over the last couple years. There's a movie out, you know, 500 million plus uh, uh, subscribers. Uh, He's a successful billionaire. Uh, He, you know, could have sold the company a couple times uh, and resisted. You know, he may be, you know, a geek's geek uh, and may not always be the most articulate, you know, particular guy, but... He's, he's got a, a, a globally behavior-changing company. That does not sound right, but, but uh, Facebook is changing behavior around the globe. That's well, the thing is also, you know, the guy just may not be a good public speaker. You know, he can sit there behind the scenes and do the programming and maybe arm his troops to do the kind of stuff in proper geek talk to do their kind of work, but he's not trained as a public speaker. He hasn't been on the scene long enough. Ultimately, he'll get there, but, right, but he needs he needs somebody guy. to help him do that. Yeah. But you think Rim's been around for what fifteen years? Maybe about that. I'm not going to uh, say say an exact date. I don't know. But uh, I, if you cut Zuckerberg, the if you cut Facebook Slack, you got to cut Rim too. I say. not necessarily because I think Rim is a more traditional CEO environment. You know, Zuckerberg is basically the geek who made good. Well, that's we why just, he's we'll, the we'll Time Magazine Person one. of the Year. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, worst stories. Um, I mean, do you want worst stories in terms of like journalism or worst story as in, you know, it was just something that happened? Well, let's look at events, okay? Let's try for some events here. Let's look at stories with regard to something that was really, really bad news for a company, something they didn't want, like Microsoft having to have that kin smartphone killed in what 45 days that wasn't a very good story that was probably for microsoft that was probably you know the the, its worst story of the year um it just a lot of egg on the face and the timing was was really not good uh, as it was it was preparing to uh to get uh, windows phone out the door and trying to build you know confidence uh for the uh uh for the operating system 
So, yeah, I, I definitely would rate that as, as pretty bad for Microsoft. Probably the worst for the year for Microsoft. Certainly for Apple, it has to be antenna gate. Real or imagined, it didn't do well for a while, although obviously Apple knew how to live it down. Well, I would say AntennaGate uh, absolutely was Mike, was Apple's worst story of the year, and and it was propagated by this whole thing that we started with about the the rumors and things being you know spread around and, and multiplied and and uh, uh, not the right kind of sourcing. I mean, there's just a lot of rumor uh, and and so on around the so-called death grip. Personally, using the iPhone, I could mimic the the, the death grip. But it really didn't affect my ability to make phone calls. I so, think the biggest problem with the iPhone, as far as the U.S. is concerned, is AT&T in some parts of the country. Not all of them. I don't know. How is it in San Diego? Uh, where I live, uh, it's terrible for all the carriers. Um, <laughs> okay. It's true. I mean, in my apartment building, uh, we can get uh, T-Mobile and AT&T in our apartment. The people that live in the front can't get uh, service from either either company they have to go out into uh the street to make phone calls and uh i've heard from at&t that i live in a, a notoriously bad reception area sprint and verizon um uh, uh no experience with either one although uh my understanding is from again other people that live where i do it, they're not much better well you know what that's interesting too because Around the country, if you believe the stories, again, back to Consumer Reports, because these are reader surveys, in the, what, 25, 30 cities they test. Supposedly, AT&T is always at the bottom. Verizon's mostly at the top, sometimes Sprint, sometimes T-Mobile. Yet here in the Phoenix area, I find not much difference between Verizon and AT&T, although that's not what Consumer Reports says. AT&T has added cell towers here. They've even sent me text messages saying, hey, we've got new cell towers. Look at the wonderful reception. That's pretty decent. I run into very few areas where I hit drop calls. I think it's about as good as Verizon. And Verizon, in my opinion, offers awful customer service. Not as bad as Sprint. Sprint was the company where I call customer service when I had Sprint. And all I want to do in my heart of hearts was to scream at them and tell them off. I couldn't sit there and have a conversation with them. Verizon's half and half. AT&T's pretty decent. But I guess everybody else says I'm wrong. You know, who knows? And if you think I'm wrong, well, fine and dandy, write me news at tech9l.com and tell me what you think. Anyway, we have Joe Wilcox, and we're talking about the best and worst of 2010. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockaways lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S 
Attack, Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hello, at ofthefield.com, we strive to empower you with wild food preparedness. We get lots of amazing positive feedback, most of which we feature on ofthefield.com. Here's a small sample of all that people like you have to say about the wild food experience. I have about 15 wild food guides on my bookshelf, which left me wondering if I even needed another book. Boy, was I wrong. My knowledge exploded to an entire universe of wild foods. In olden days, it was the norm to know which plants are edible and which are not. Dear Linda, just wanted to let you know I received your book today. Wow. I watched the DVD last night. I was awestruck. What wonderful work you have done. This information can bless many people. Thank you again thanks again your book has given me the most hope and inspiration thank you folks thanks for letting us help you get back to basics read all of the testimonials at ofthefield.com you can order online for you and your loved ones or call 1-888-51-EAT-FREE to share in the secret you know the constitution like the back of your hand you've read books listened to podcasts attended lectures surfed websites and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal, but something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com But wait... There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. Calling all manufacturers from across the United States. Are you eager to have people buy your products right here at home instead of having them buy competing products made on the other side of the world? Do you want to build your business while helping boost our nation's economy at the same time? Then localmakers.com is the website for you. Our site provides an easy way for manufacturers to connect with customers within their local community as well as across the United States. From the small manufacturer who works out of their home to the large manufacturers across the U.S., localmakers.com connects customers to the closest manufacturer by simply entering their zip code. So if you make your own goods and want to expand your market, go to localmakers.com and put your products on one of our shelves. If you're not a local manufacturer but know someone who is, take advantage of the localmakers.com referral program and earn income by getting others to join. Simply go to localmakers.com and register. There's no cost to join. That's localmakers.com. Visit localmakers.com today. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We're back with Jill Wilcox. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Out Live, talking about the best and the worst. And do you think overall from the kind of stories you've run... Do you think AT&T really has this problem, except in maybe a few areas, or is it perception, or what? Um, well, I think AT&T had a problem, unquestionably. Uh, it's my experience here, and from talking to other people, that between changes that AT&T and, and made and also Apple, 
you know, iPhone 4 is a lot better experience. Uh, much fewer uh, drop calls, uh, less data congestion. And certainly by doing speed tests on iPhone 4, I would say it's much, much better now than it was, you know, even uh, seven or eight months ago. That said, I should say, for the record, I, uh, I sold my iPhone 4 last week uh, and switched to the uh, Google Nexus S, which I love. Do you really think it's a better phone? Well, it's a different phone because it's a different user experience. Uh, you know, the uh, iOS and, and Android are, are not the same in terms of you know, how, they, how they work. Uh, to me, iOS is, is kind of tired. Uh, I think it really needs a makeover. Uh, I find that uh, uh, Android, with its little notifications bar that you you uh, pull down from the top, to be very very friendly. I like how the uh, settings uh, for each uh, function or uh, application that you use are right there in the same screen instead of having to go somewhere else. And what I really like is the ability to share stuff uh, uh, more easily. You know, use your iPhone, you take a photo. And you want to share it? What are your options? You know, e- email, MMS, um, uh, and and uh, the Apple services. On Android, if I take a photo, whatever service uh, that's installed that supports photo uploads, it's right there. Uh, I can share immediately. I can send it to Twitter, the Tumblr, to WordPress, whatever. Uh, and it's little things like that. All right, but I can't find- you? You could still get a WordPress app or a Twitter app for the iPhone. Sure, but you have to go to the app. I want to be able to right there where I take the photo, easily share it to that service. I can okay, do you I want something to. that's basically mixed with the standard services rather than go to another app to do it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's a more, sen- it's a more sensible uh, UI approach. Also, uh, it's more extensible. I assume you mean in the sense here that Apple has certain restrictions on where you can go, but you can take your Android phone and basically expand it to a fairly well if you want. Well, no, what I mean is, is that Apple, uh, for something like photos or movies, they've locked it into, you know, your basic services like email and MMS, Bluetooth, and Apple's own services. It's, it's our stuff and nobody else's. Whereas on Android, anything that's, you know, there and approved and, you know, functions correctly I can I can send that uh, movie or, or video or movie or uh, photo to. Okay, so basically, movie sharing, photo sharing, your feel is superior on Android. What else? Well, like I said, the notifications, uh, the way that works, uh, the, how the settings work, uh, the live widgets uh, that you can uh, have, uh, uh, you know, a widget on your desktop uh, that can you know be live and retrieving information. It works a little bit better than uh, the whole, you know, push thing. The multitasking is better uh, on Android than than iOS, in my experience. Yes, and, but you also have the, more of the trade-offs as a result. Uh, such as trade-offs is that, for example, they're task killers for Android in case you run too many apps and they overwhelm the system. I don't find that I have that problem. Well, you're um, you must be an exception because a lot of people do. And I've talked to those people, okay? Yeah, well, so have I. <laughs> okay. Okay, but, so, all right, so your experience differs. I know lots of satisfied, satisfied Android users, and you know, definitely Android, in terms of you know, the volume, uh, is uh, quickly outpacing 
um, and Android phones are quickly outpacing uh, iPhone. Yeah, but here you're comparing one company with a couple of models against you know sixty different models from right, so now, loads so of different that, makers, that's the same but excuse. no single that's maker, the same no single maker. May I finish my sentence, okay, Joe? No yeah. single maker outshines the iPhone in terms of sales. It's the aggregate. Well, let's see. I'm sure Nokia and uh, our Research in Motion still, right? No, not not Research in Motion, not at all. Uh, well, I haven't looked at the recent numbers. Yes, I but I, now, I look at the recent numbers. The recent numbers are that there are more iPhones being sold now than Research in Motion. Close. But you'll really know next year. You'll know this quarter to see where things ended up, and we'll know next year. But so far, you know, as of the last quarter that was reported the iPhone was ahead. Right. But when we're measuring the operating system success, and of course there are many, and there are, there are actually two ways to measure the success. One is looking at iOS on smartphones to other Android smartphones. Uh, and then of course there is iOS and on other devices. And well, unfortunately we're not getting, I think a very fair measure of that from, uh, from the analysts. So we don't see the picture, the whole picture of how iOS is doing with respect to iPad, uh, iPod Touch, and iPhone compared to you know Android or even another operating system. Yeah, but we know the numbers. We know how many iOS devices are being sold because we have the iPod Touch, we have the iPad, we have the iPhone, and Apple has given us a lot of those figures. Right. Well, for, for those two problems with them, first, they're shipments and not actual sales, and two... We don't have an uh, we don't you don't have an accurate count of the install base in terms of devices actually in use. Uh, Apple's numbers for the install base are based on you know shipments, so far as I understand, uh, which is different. That, that doesn't mean that uh, people are using all those devices still. Yes and no. I think they can also see you know in terms of the growth of these units. Uh, you're assuming then that, you know, a certain percentage of people who buy an iPad stop using it, which may be true. Maybe they stick it in the closet and they buy something uh, else. I'm thinking more of older iPhones and iPod Touch. Well, in the case of the older iPhone, I think what happens quite often is they're handed off to another member of the family or they're sold. And when they're sold, you know, someone else will sell them unlocked to a third world country. You never know. That's difficult to really measure. Correct. Um, and also, since not all, since we have some limitations on the older devices and what they can uh, use with respect to, to iOS. Well, that's, that's also true with Android. Part. You know, we have you know a number of Android devices that were sold, and we don't know about those two and three year old phones either. Well, actually, there are no three year old phones. Uh, the first Android phone went on sale in autumn of two thousand eight. So the oldest. So it's two year old phone. phone. Okay, the, the oldest Android phone is the, uh, is the Google G1, which uh, was introduced on T-Mobile uh, two years ago. Those two-year-old phones, the contracts are coming up now, uh, and therefore, the you know, as of the past summer, and therefore people are upgrading or going to something else. So certainly, you know, we have some sense of those figures, and it's the same thing there. People buy those phones and maybe no, unlock the them for other carriers. Because, you know, it could be the same the number, situation. Because the volume uh, of Android phones has been increasing so rapidly, particularly after Verizon uh, launched the, the uh, Droid a little over a year ago. Yeah, but also let's majority, look at some other reality here. The reality is 
that Verizon has 241 sales, that this past quarter their sales growth wasn't as much as some people had expected. You're missing the point. The point is that um, the install base of Android devices is much newer. The, The total install base of Android devices is much newer than the total install base of, uh, of uh, iPhones. That's what I'm Except, trying to Except, sure, but remember, with the iPhone, you know, it took Apple, what, about a year to sell the first 10 million. So, you know, the sales weren't as great that first year. That was the ramp up to it. As you see, neighbors, lots to disagree about. If you disagree with anything we say or agree with it, we want to hear from you. Join our forums, forum.technighthowl.com. That's forum.technighthowl.com. Sign up and get in on the fun. By the way, we have Joe Wilcox. We have another segment coming up with him. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Does malware affect Macs? Well, here's the truth. Malware writers are targeting Macs more and more, and you may be surprised to find out just how much malware there is out there. From Trojan horses to scareware, from macroviruses to spyware, Macs are facing new threats regularly. Find out about what types of malware affect Macs and how to protect yourself. Visit Intego.com. That's I-N-T-E-G-O.com. Intego.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at military surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. One of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish and M10 gas masks are three for $30. And Swiss filters are three for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com. Or call 877-608-0179. 877-608-0179. MainMilitary.com. The main name in military supply. Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective, thanks to LeSig. Traditional smokers the world over love LeSig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. LeSig is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small, rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of LeSig e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. 
LASIG.com. LASIG is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LASIG.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L-E-C-I-G.com. LASIG for today's modern smoker. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Joe Wilcox. We've been talking about the best, the worst of 2010. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Listen, we don't have... Endless amounts of time here. Let's look to other spaces, other technology spaces. Have you covered much 3D TV at all? Um, just a little bit. I'm not very hopeful about the technology as long as uh, uh, the issues with the glasses persist. That you, have oh, to, you really have to wear them. <laughs> you know, I talked to somebody named Stephen Blumenthal. He's with a company called 3D Fusion. Uh-huh. And this is something interesting here. And the technology is derived to some degree by, you know, those... 3D things you get, you know, from Disney, those little plaques or pictures where it looks like pseudo 3D with that overlay. And somehow he's made it more effective that it could be used supposedly on a real TV and provide a really good picture without the goggles, without the 3D glasses. And I don't know where that technology is going to go. It seems fascinating. He's using technology license, I think, from Philips Electronics. But the well, key the here is yeah. that if it could be made to work, 3D could come into its own. But right now, I think 3D is a waste. Well, I would agree with that, but for other reasons, too. We just had a, a very recent upgrade cycle to HDTV. Uh, if you look at uh, the television mar- market, uh, at least in the, like the United States, you know, first we had the, the first wave of TVs, black and white, color, and then they reached a point um, – of color, of color set sales where the market became uh, saturated and stagnated for a long time. And it really wasn't until the, the whole push to digital and large screen TVs and HD uh, TV that things really began to pick up again. And, you know, we're, we're, we're approaching the tail end of that, you know, big conversion cycle. So how many people are going to rush out and buy, you know, 3D? And it's always a question of, is the experience better? How much better is it? And is it better enough 
that you're willing to pay more to get it. With you know digital, big screen, HD TV, the answer was yes for many people. 3D, I'm not so sure. As you say, you know, right now we've reached a point where an awful lot of people have high-definition TV. And the big problem, in addition to the glasses with 3D TV, it's the cart versus the horse kind of deal here. There's not much software. I mean, just when I was having lunch today, I watched a small portion of Avatar on a regular high-definition TV from Showtime or HBO, whatever channel has it. I saw it in 3D in the movie theaters. At home, I have the Blu-ray version. I just wanted to see something for lunch. And I enjoyed it just as well. You know, the 3D didn't make or break it for me with that movie. Well, and, and you could say the same thing about Blu-ray and DVD. It's not a deal maker, but it is noticeably really sharper. But, you know, if you're looking at your TV set from 10 feet away, the difference is modest. Yeah. So I like Blu-ray. I love Blu-ray, but... I don't think it's better enough for, for most people to, uh, to switch from, from DVD. We certainly can see it in the sales. Hell, we haven't even seen uh, Apple support it uh, on its uh, uh, computers. And, Apto- I mean, and Apple was a, you know, a pioneer with putting DVD on, on its computers. So uh, if Apple's not rushing to it, you've got to ask, how good is it? Well, I'll give you an example of this, too. I have an Apple TV here. And over the weekend, I rented in high definition, I rented Inception, which is a really well-done film in every way, conceptually, intellectually, with the special effects. And Apple is using 720p resolution as opposed to 1080p with Blu-ray. And I have to tell you, sitting there in the bed, 10 feet away, I challenge anybody on a 50-inch screen to really see the difference. So as far as Apple is concerned, if I can see what you'd consider almost Blu-ray quality from an Apple TV, who needs the Blu-ray player? Except, of course, that you still have to rent the movies. They're not available to buy unless you do it on your Mac or PC and stream it. That's got to change. And maybe it will in 2011, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's another point, too. Do you think in the question of conquering the living room, I've heard that Google TV isn't doing quite as well as they've expected. What do you think? Well, it's funny you should mention it. Uh, I got a device last week, and I love it, and I'm really quite surprised by it. Uh, I had the Logitech review. I received it on December 23rd and set it up on Christmas Eve. And uh, it's a very different experience than Apple TV. Um, You know, where Apple TV is more of your set-top box on the side – Google TV takes control of everything. It's uh, trying Google to be, as they say, input one rather than input two. Uh, and it's, from my early experience, a, a pretty good input uh, uh, one, one, one experience. Yeah, but you're an exception. You know, a lot of the reviews I've seen, they're not so crazy about it. Well, um, maybe, 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 maybe they should be the exceptions. You know, well, you know, if um, you like it, that's fine. The key is here is that if it makes it, it's nice to have competition. You don't want to well, see one product in the field. You know, it's like with the iPhone and the Android devices. You want to see them leapfrog each other because you get better gear and you have a better selection. So if Google TV fails, you know, what's going on there? It's going to be buying your TV or 
a couple of appliances that have extra things like Netflix or Cinema Now or something? Well, Google TV won't fail. Uh, Google will be committed to this product. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, if for no other reason than – well, there's actually uh, a couple of reasons. One is it goes to Google's core competency, which is search. The search ability on this phone is uh, on this device is just phenomenal in terms of how it integrates with everything. You know the the internet, uh, you know future TV programming, your DVR, whatever. It's just remarkable how easy, how much easier it is for me to find stuff to watch uh, using the Google search on 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 this uh, uh, Logitech re- review than than uh, anything. And I have the AT and T verse service here. Uh, which you know, which is pretty good. And, yeah, and there's one other question, though, you raise about finding things. So far, the networks have blocked Google TV. I don't understand that. The what networks have blocked Google TV from retrieving their content in a lot of areas. That's been uh, widely reported. I don't understand. I don't have a. I don't have that problem at all. Well, you're the only one. It's okay. So you're the only one. So we'll leave it there. Let's just go to one more thing no, no, before I mean, we let say, you go. Uh, no, please, please. Uh, all right, all right. Story is here. ABC, CBS, NBC are not going to allow Google TV to aggregate their streaming video content from their websites. That's that's something very different. I was that's talking right. about, you know, sir, <laughs> that's very different. Um, so you, you said one thing, but... What no, you that's what I meant. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I meant. You know, okay? That basically... Uh, That's not what I was talking about. I was talking about finding uh, content to watch. I was very explicit about that. I understand. But if you go to the website from the TV networks and they won't let you get the content, you can find it, but you can't see it. Yeah, but the network's broadcast on the TV. I can find it there. I can record it. I don't understand. Okay, but then then Google TV is not the replacement for your set-top box. It's just an appliance that provides extra functionality. It's not input one, actually, it's input two. Actually, my, uh, my set-top box is hooked up to Google TV. Okay, so you're using so, it as an intermediary. No, it's a unifier. It basically oh. unifies uh, the, the television experience with uh, a lot of the web, uh, web content experience. Yeah, but part of that web content experience is almost like the keyboard, like web TV, which went nowhere. Uh, this is very different. Um, I mean, I'm, 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 I know exactly why Web TV failed. And uh, uh, again, there, there's there's two reasons here. The first I said was it's it's a core competency, which is Google uh, Google Search. The other is that uh, while online uh, advertising is growing, uh, and this year uh, surpassed newspaper advertising, it's still very very far from uh, TV advertising. It's where Google needs to, it's, Google wants to see those ad dollars move uh, from uh, offline to online. They're not moving fast enough from TV. So one way for, for Google to, I guess, embrace it or, or, or deal with that situation is to go into the living room and to, uh, uh, t- to embrace, the, con- embrace the, the whole advertising experience there. Well, it's whatever, of course, takes to get those targeted ads to be seen. Hey, folks, we'll just ask one more sensible question for you. In 2011, what are you going to be up to? Um, what I did in 2010, which is I'm just going to keep on uh, writing and reporting and as accuracy as, as accurately as possible. Where do we find more of your stuff? 
Uh, you can go to uh, betanews.com forward slash uh, Joe Wilcox and then also uh, joewilcox.com. Joe Wilcox, thank you for joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. And this hour on the Tech Night Out Live, we have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. And he's been analyzing away, looking at what's been happening for 2010 and now for 2011. And I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Stephen, welcome aboard for what is our first show of the new year. And I'm curious here, looking back a year ago and maybe looking at trends, is there anything where you think maybe you expected something that really hit big and it didn't happen? Well, first, you know, Happy New Year to everybody uh, listening. Um, you know, I think that the, uh, the most interesting things that happened in 2010 were, were clearly things that we all could have um, you know, foreseen, whether it was, you know, the growth in the um, launch of 3D, the um, explosion in terms of smartphone sales, uh, some of the other, um, you know, product um, opportunities that we saw coming along, certainly things like IPTV was already pretty well on its way. Um, you know, the decline in some categories like MP3 players and digital cameras as as they matured. Um, I don't think there were any huge surprises in general in 2010. I really think um, looking back on it, it, it pretty much performed the way we thought, which was that I think the expectation was that 2010 would be a transition year. It would be a little more difficult than 2008 or 2009 um, when, despite the recession, tech performed you know, far and away better than the overall economy, than the overall consumer economy, et cetera. And you know, we were looking at a um, year where we were going to be facing tough comparisons and the really need to transition into some new um, sales and product opportunities going forward. Let's look at the beginning of the year at CES. Everybody and his mother and father, they were showing tablets. Okay, but it looked like the real tablet was the one that Apple introduced a few weeks later. Did you expect the iPad to have caught the industry by storm as it did? 
Um, well, I guess I, at first, I, you know, I don't recall a lot of tablets last, um, last, uh, CES. Well, there were a few most there, of it, you know, Most sure. of it was ebook readers or some other kinds of products. Actually, it was the big talk last year along with, you know, 3D and netbooks. Um, I don't think anybody envisioned, uh, the tablet market going, um, as uh, becoming as interesting as it actually did when the iPad launched. Um, you know, with the uh, announcement a few weeks after CES about what the iPad was going to be, um, you know, during CES there was a lot of speculation as to what the iPad would actually look like, what the pricing was going to be, what the operating system was going to be. And I think, you know, in hindsight, looking back, you know, obviously pretty much everybody got almost all of those things wrong. Um, but I think Apple did a great job. And it's one of the reasons the iPad has been so successful is that Apple made some really, in, again, in hindsight, some really, really good choices. One is they made it relatively affordable. Um, it's still clearly very expensive compared to most consumer electronics products, but way less expensive than most people expected it to be. And they really chose to focus on it as a tablet and not as a computer by putting the um, iOS operating system on there as opposed to a Snow Leopard or something else. I think those choices really made the product what it is. Now, there is a difference of opinion here about whether it is a computer. I mean, for all practical purposes, it's not like a PC or a Mac, but it does many of the functions of a personal computer. So where Everything do you go? does many of the functions of a personal computer today, I would argue. So at some point, you know, you have to have some kind of definitional awareness there. I mean, you know, your television has Internet access. Uh, you know, it has a processor in it now. If you have a Google television, um, an operating system, you know, clearly more and more products have many of the features that we think of when we think of a computer. Um, that doesn't make them all what... Uh, the market considers to be computers. And I think given the product, the margins, um, the form factor, I think it's very um, logical for most of the research companies and um, the industry to think of the tablet as a different product, as an additional incremental opportunity and not just as a replacement for the computer, because I think it's not just a replacement. And well, we certainly don't today, but you way. know, if you look at an iPad maybe five years from now, you know, it could very uh, no, well I, replace I the personal computer. <laughs> five years from now, who knows, right? If you go back five years from today, um, you know, you, can't, you can barely envision anything that we have out there today. Five years ago, we didn't have, even have iPhones. Um, smartphones were a very, very small percentage of the market without a um, clear path to growth. Um, notebook computers obviously were growing. Um, you know, we didn't really have a, a sense of what was going to happen and how fast and things like flat panel televisions. So, you know, I think looking out five years is all guesswork. And I, I'm not pretty, real big on guessing. I'd rather look at the very short term and what we see happening today. And I think for the industry, the positioning of tablets needs to be and remain not as a replacement device for your pick one PC, iPod touch, um, 
ebook reader, but as an incremental device that has value in certain circumstances, but in other circumstances, clearly not going to be the product you pick to, to do the tasks you want to do. I think also it might also be a chameleon kind of device where it kind of reflects what the customers do with it, and we will know, and the manufacturers will know over the next few years where the tablet's going to go, how they will embrace it, what kind of apps they're going to buy, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And, you know, our survey work, and we've done two iPad surveys, and we're getting ready to start another one after the holidays. Um, show that, yes, what people do with it is very similar to what they do with a notebook computer or a desktop computer, but it's also very similar to what they're doing with their phones or, the, or an ebook reader or a game console or a game, handheld game product. So, you know, it, it has features that uh, attract people from all of those different products, but You know, I think Amazon made a great point the other day when they talked about the Kindle, which is that just because I have one product does not necessarily mean I'm not going to have any other products. And, you know, we still see very strong sales in products like GPS systems and digital cameras, even though everybody continues to want to say no one needs any of those because it's uh, integrated into many phones. Well, of course, with a Kindle, Amazon cut the price. The basic Kindle is what, $139? It becomes a very casual purchase, so that allows somebody to buy an iPad or one of the other tablets, and maybe the Kindle is more optimized for e-reading, so I'll buy a Kindle too. That's That's the strategy, absolutely. And of course, Amazon helps because they have apps for all the other platforms. So you can take your book wherever you go, whatever you use, you can still go with them. Well, and, and that's the case for the Nook, and that's the case for, you know, Google Books or anyone else as well. So, um, you know, I think one of the fears everyone had was that e-reading would get kind of, um, you know, bastardized into one um, platform, and certainly we haven't really seen that happening. While you may not be able to necessarily share your books across multiple devices, dedicated devices, Certainly, if I buy uh, books from Amazon that work on Kindle, I can read them on a number of other devices. Right. I can read them on my Mac, even. Absolutely. Because it was smart there. I think it was a smart You'll move. Yeah, but read them on your television soon, I'm sure, as well. So. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about the TV set-top box, the Quest for the living room, which can be very complicated indeed in a moment. We have Stephen Baker. He works with the NPD Group, and they survey all sorts of things, including, of course, consumer electronics, and we're covering that. If you have comments or questions about the show, please write us. News at TechNightOwl.com. That's news at TechNightOwl.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi. 
This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Hey, neighbors. Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac. Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows. And Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1 800 686 2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1 800 686 2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1 800 686 2237, extension 169. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Did you know that you can be tracked and traced when you're online? With identity theft and cybercrimes on the rise, your passwords, your identity, and even your physical location can be revealed to complete strangers. Would you like to surf the Internet anonymously and not have to worry about these threats? Well, now you can by visiting PatriotInternet.com. For about $2 per month, PatriotInternet.com will conceal your IP address and your physical location, allowing you to browse the web, send emails, and instant message anonymously. PatriotInternet.com will bypass filters, blocked sites, and keyword blocking. You can also bypass logging by your router and your ISP. With PatriotInternet.com, there is no software to install and uses 128-bit encryption for your protection. When using wireless hotspots, PatriotInternet.com shields your information from identity thieves and is compatible with Windows, Mac, and Linux. Protect your identity and your freedom with anonymous Internet access from PatriotInternet.com. Visit PatriotInternet.com today. 
on air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have another session with Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Let's look at the TV set-top box. And I guess it's the quest for input one, input two. Apple has gone for input two for the Apple TV. It's an auxiliary device. It doesn't replace your cable or satellite box. It seems to be doing decently well. A million sales in the first quarter. Is that decent or what? That's okay. Um, I think that's, it's not the point. I think the point which we, you know, still need some judgment, I think, on isn't how many devices get sold, but how many movies are watched, how much content really goes through the device. Because unlike some of the other devices, right, the Apple TV is very much a portal into the Apple iTunes store and Apple distributed content. Whereas a product, say, like Roku, has much more of a um, traditional kind of channel orientation where you pay for specific channels and watch whatever there is on those specific channels. Because Apple has Netflix on there, does that stop them from adding Hulu or another service? Maybe if they're depending on their income, not so much on selling the software, but the hardware... If they add a couple of more services, would that be a big deal? They could do it. In the long run, none of those products um, are about hardware. They're all about content. The hardware value is pretty low. You know, when you're talking about something that sells for $99, that's never going to be a huge profit maker. It's never going to be a huge revenue uh, driver for a company like Apple or for most of the companies that are getting into this business. Uh, in the end of the day, the value is in the content and how much I can charge and who can charge for that content. And while certainly I think, you know, there's opportunities for Apple to create and make the Apple TV more of a Trojan horse, um, at this point they haven't really chosen to do that. Yes, they have Netflix, but certainly that's not uh, where they want their way they're guiding their customers they'd much prefer that they bought and downloaded content from the um, iTunes store again that's a little bit different philosophy than what we see in other or other under the underneath, underneath the TV boxes but that's the ultimate question too is where can these devices go I mean other than the iTunes factor which is just a matter of software it could be available in any kind of product where would Apple TV put this? Because something like a Netflix, you don't need to buy a Roku device. A lot of TVs have Netflix. They have dongles for your Wi-Fi or a built-in Wi-Fi. I have a Samsung Blu-ray player with Netflix and four or five other services. Sure. Everything has Netflix in it. My, my Windows Media Center computer has Netflix. My, you know, my Wii has Netflix. Uh, there's an awful lot of competition for ways to get streaming content to the television right now. So number one kind of thing is Netflix, but 
you know, I suspect we're going to start to see other things coming about in. Again, you know, it's not about the hardware. In the long run, it turns into a discussion about how do you profit from the content and what happens with the distribution. And I know in, you know, in tech, it's not always fashionable or interesting for people to talk about the value in distribution. We always want to talk about, you know, shiny pieces of hardware, but what is really going to be the argument in the fight under the TV is not between Apple TV and Boxy or Roku and, uh, you know, internet-connected televisions. It's going to be how does Comcast, how does Time Warner, how does Fios, how does AT&T Uverse, how do all these products integrate, and how do they profit the most from these, how do they integrate all the channels and the opportunities there, because right now they are, and for the foreseeable future, the ones who control the access to most of the content that consumers want to watch. Now, Google TV wants to be an intermediary for that content. Is that working out? Well, you know, I think Google TV is having its uh, troubles at the onset, but you know, it's, it is a new kind of concept. We, we've always talked about, you know, internet-connected televisions. I mean, I remember seeing the Gateway Destination in 1998 or 97 or whenever that product was released. But, you know, what's happened is that the, the content companies have said, look, um, you know, Netflix is willing to pay us a lot of money. How come you're not paying us any money? We control what people want to see. We spend a lot of money on that, and we expect and believe we deserve to be paid for it. it just because you want to disintermediate us doesn't mean we're going to let you do that. And, you know, I think Google goes into a lot of these things expecting that they can just, um, you know, push the old old lions aside and become the new, you know, king of the pride. And I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen quite as easily here. Again, you know, it goes back to distribution because the power isn't necessarily in the hands of the box makers or in the hands of the access giver. It's in the hands of the access givers. And that's, of course, the problem with the Apple TV. Some of the TV networks will go for 99-cent TV show rentals. Others say, well, not yet, maybe not ever. Right. They want to be paid what they think is a reasonable price for what they want to do. They don't, they don't believe they can make it up in volume or that this is better for the consumers. They're profit-making enterprises. And again, you know, there's a lot of people who believe that it's all about the shiny box and what it's really about is the content and the distribution. Now, all that said, there are clearly hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in venture capitalists in Silicon Valley chasing opportunities to try to disintermediate all those distribution channels because that's where the money is and that's where the fight is going to be over the next couple of years. Now, this is a discussion I'm having a little bit later in the show with the personal technology columnist of the Washington Post, Rob Pegarero. He's a great about, guy, by the way. He is a wonderful person. I've known him for a number of years. Very gracious guest. I always have a great time having him on the show. And I'll tell him you said hello. Okay, the thing I was wondering about here, and this is the thing that bothers me about the way television is now. I look at my TV diet and what my wife and I watch, and maybe there are 10 stations or 12 stations we watch. But to get those 10 or 12 stations in high definition, I have to buy 300. 
I don't want those 300. I don't care about those 300. But if I go to Cox, DirecTV, Dish Network, I got to get the 300. There's no viable a la carte method of delivering this content. And doing it separately through Hulu or Apple TV, I can't do it. Obviously, that is the case. But let me give you the argument on the other side. Uh, A couple of arguments. One is, if you got it a la carte, I don't know that you'd be paying any less. Because I think they, the distribution channel would charge you a lot more money for individual channels. Um, I can tell you in my house, you know, we watch ESPN constantly. And I got to believe that ESPN is not going to charge me five bucks a month <laughs> to get the ESPN channels if I was going to have some kind of an a la carte method. Okay, I we'll go into more believe. of those methods in a moment, Stephen, but we'll okay. do this break. Sure. Try to do the break. Got to. Take care of the business. You bet. Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- Three four six six eight two nine. That's eight hundred three four no tax. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity 
authenticity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Gun sales are on a staggering pace. Gun prices are going through the roof, and that means desperate, vicious criminals now want your guns and will do anything to get them. Now, a new book reveals powerful secrets for hiding your guns from thieves and looters. You'll learn step-by-step battle-hardened techniques, where to hide your guns so criminals will never find them, how to create the perfect hiding place, as well as the places you should never hide your guns under any circumstance. These and other closely guarded gun caching secrets are guaranteed to keep your weapons safe safe and out of sight when the going gets tough. But listen up. For security reasons, the Hide Your Guns book and even the website may disappear without warning at any time. Go to HideYourGuns.com. That's HideYourGuns.com. Or call 877-327-0365. Before they come for your guns. HideYourGuns.com right now. Right now. Right now. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we were looking at the arguments why there can't be a la carte because maybe it would cost more. Then the 100 bucks to buy everything, maybe you'd have to spend more to get the 10 channels you want to watch. You were mentioning ESPN as an example. Absolutely, and I think other channels would follow that same pricing model as well, which is you know, more popular channels would charge more. Um, I would also argue that one of the values you get, you may say you don't watch a lot of other channels, Um, A lot of people, myself included, watch multiple channels. And if those channels weren't available to me, uh, I would never have found them. I don't think I would buy Discovery, would have bought Discovery Channel, for example, to give one example, um, if I didn't um, have a chance to sample it and all of a sudden see great shows like Mythbusters or uh, Dirty Jobs or other kinds of shows that we enjoy in my house. I think there's a lot of value to um, giving people a lot of different things. Um, there is certainly business models that have been pretty successful that do deliver a la carte. And, you know, I was just reading an article today about the airline industry, and certainly the airline industry has moved away from a la carte and moved down to charging you for everything giving you an opportunity to say, I want this and I don't want that. And interestingly, all we ever hear is people complain that they have those choices around their uh, airfares and around their airline choices, that they're charging me for everything. Um, I have a feeling in the long run that if we went to a la carte, if the cable companies went to a la carte, A, you'd probably be paying more, and B, we'd hear a lot more complaining that we're all being nickel and dime to death. But if you're getting 300 stations at 33 cents per station, even if you watch 10, you're getting a bargain. Uh, I think that you're getting a pretty good deal today. You have an opportunity to see things that you might not see otherwise. Um, 
there's a lot of diversity. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, too many cable companies owning, you know, lots of different stations. If every, I suspect that everybody would get, you know, 80% of the people would get the same 20% of the channels. Um, therefore, a lot of those channels would go out of business, and a lot of the diversity in the individual focus that you get on a lot of these smaller channels would go away. They wouldn't be available. Well, the other point of view being, of course, that you're putting all the stations on equal foothold because, you know, if you see 300 stations on your station guide, you don't know that one is a tiny station, one is a big major network with billions of dollars behind it. They come to you on an equal footing and they have the same chance of getting your eyeballs. Well, again, I guess I would disagree with that. I don't think Lifetime comes to me on an equal footing with ESPN. Again, it's your taste. It's what kind of shows you want. But any station delivering that kind of content has a fair chance of at least getting you to sample them. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's the idea is that if you're not there, you can't ever be sampled. If you're not available, you're never going to watch it. Speaking of sampling, 3D TV, is it going anywhere, really? Of course it is. Of course it is. Um, you know, I, I, the, the, the whole controversy over 3D TV is as totally misplaced and as totally misguided as any tech discussion we've had in the last few years. No one expected 3D TV to sell millions of units in 2010. Everyone recognized when the product came out it was going to be a premium product offered in the most expensive televisions in a small, with a small window of opportunity until more and more content, you know, I won't get back to content, but more and more content became available. Is it been a, uh, a problem? I guess I would say maybe people's expectations were wrong, but I think the opportunity still remains there. And as a matter of fact, if 3D has helped people sell $3,000 televisions instead of $2,000 televisions, well, that's a pretty good thing for the industry because everybody makes more money selling a $3,000 television than a $2,000 one. But how long will people buy something? You need those horrible glasses, or at least some people think they're horrible. There are only, what, six movies out there for 3D? I mean, you got to have the content, otherwise it's just a high-priced flat panel set. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Content doesn't show up in a day. And the idea that there was all this content that was going to be available, it, it didn't happen. It's going to take some time. There is that chicken and an egg kind of a... Um, issue, right? You know, will people create 3D content, great 3D content, if there isn't a lot of places for people to watch it or for them to sell it? Uh, you know, I, I think eventually those things come around, but they take a couple of years. Uh, you know, you can't expect everything to be huge sellers and huge opportunities right off the bat. This is a niche opportunity for early adopters who may want to see some stuff in 3D or people who want to future-proof themselves or just a way for us to upsell consumers who you know, maybe don't know any better. And, and that's okay, too. It's a free market, so we do what sells that's and see what happens. The idea. Now, I talked to someone the other week, Stephen Blumenthal, with a company called 3D Fusion. They're developing a technology to see to 3D 
without the glasses. Now, obviously, I don't know if this technology is going to work. They're licensing some of it from Philips, so it sounds pretty solid. But is that the ultimate answer to deliver a set where you can see 2D and 3D? Don't worry about the glasses. You know, long term, people want convenience. (laughs) They want ease of use. If not having glasses gives it more ease of use and makes it a better experience for people, then, you know, I think that's the way the uh, market will go. I think it's it's a market-driven uh, decision that's going to happen there about the glasses. We'll have to see where that takes off. But looking at other technologies, and before we were talking about the iPad and tablet computers, are they impacting netbooks in any way? Well, you know, the last survey we did in over the end of the summer, um, we 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 heard we heard from consumers that about fifteen percent of their iPad purchases were cannibalizing some type of a computer purchase, whether it was a netbook, a notebook, or a Mac or a MacBook type product. Um, expect that that's probably relatively the same today through fourth quarter. So clearly there's been some impact. Um, We expect PC sales to be in the U.S. at least negative against 2009. Um, Some of that is due to the iPad, but some of it is due to the fact that 2009 was a historically great year for computers in terms of units. Um, Biggest growth we'd ever seen, um, not just because of netbooks, but Windows 7, some great um, introductions from Apple, Snow Leopard, uh, all sorts of things from them. Um, So we had very, very difficult comparisons. 2011 is going to be a much more telling year as to what the long-term impact of tablets are on the PC market. But again, I don't think we should... um, expect that PCs are going to go away. PCs are an important part of what people do. There are lots of things that PCs do that tablets can't do. And, um, you know, I think going forward, just like so many other devices, we're going to see people have a mix of devices in their home that they use different products for different functions. So it'd be the same thing, for example, of people using their smartphones for a lot of functions they might have done on a personal computer. I know at night I take to the night table my iPhone. And so in the middle of the night, you know, if I can't sleep, I get up, I check my email. Or I'm waiting for email that's, from that's someone That's not a overseas. good thing, Gene. You need to get try to figure out how to sleep through the night without checking your email. Well, you know what? <laughs> that's another discussion for another kind of show, not this one. If you want to say I'm crazy as a bed bug, I accept that. Totally. But, you know, you know the point. The point is here, sure. I'm watching TV, and I don't want to grab my notebook. I just take my iPhone, and during commercials, I'll check the email, check a site, see how my sites are doing, make sure everything is going okay. This is something I would have done with a personal computer, a notebook computer, but now I do it with my iPhone. Some people do it with their iPad or other tablets. We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, 
a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Are you tired of police, judges, and bureaucrats using traffic tickets and other regulatory traps to trick you out of your hard-earned money? Are you sick of fraudulent bankers rigging mortgages and using the foreclosure process to steal your home? You need to visit bestfreedomtools.com. Act now to get an amazing free catalog and free DVD packed with vital information to give you the upper hand against these so-called authorities. You will learn how to overcome all traffic fines, how to stop judges in their tracks, and how to effectively combat penalty notices of all kinds without paying a penny all the information you need to regain your health wealth and power is yours at bestfreedomtools.com to get your free catalog and free dvd call 800-880-9976 that's 800-880-9976 or visit bestfreedomtools.com now for your free catalog and free dvd bestfreedomtools.com giving you the information you need today What if you could enjoy a refreshing cigarette without worrying about your health? Great news. Now you can enjoy everything you love about a cigarette without everything you hate. It's called the VaporMate e-cig, and it's made by SmokeAway, so you know it's good. VaporMate utilizes patented microelectronic technology that mixes rich tobacco flavor with harmless water vapor. It tastes like a cigarette, smokes like a cigarette, and best of all, it calms you down like a cigarette should. And if you call in the next 30 minutes, we'll give you your VaporMate e-cig kit valued at $100. $29 free. No more secondhand smoke, smelly clothes, hacking and coughing. Just the great flavor and calming sensation of a real cigarette you can smoke anywhere. Claim your VaporMate when you get your tobacco flavored filters free. A $129 value, yours free. Imagine the money you'll save each month, but you must call now. Call 800-540-7570. That's 800-540-7570. Again, 1-800-540-7570. If the cost of your prescriptions are getting out of control, you want to listen carefully to this. RxDrugCard.com is a simple, innovative program designed to give individuals the same purchasing power as large HMOs and insurance companies. As a member of RxDrugCard.com, you'll enjoy savings of up to 80% on all prescription medications at over 52,000 USA pharmacies, including Walmart, Walgreens, and Eckert's. Don't risk ruining your health by using cheap, counterfeit foreign drugs. This program provides savings on safe, genuine, FDA-approved Medications with low membership fees, unlimited use, no age or income requirements, and coverage for all pre-existing conditions. RxDrugCard.com is an absolute must for anyone who pays for their own prescriptions. Enroll today for as little as $4.50 per month at www.rxdrugcard.com and start saving immediately. RxDrugCard.com is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit RxDrugCard.com or call 888-216-2461. That's 888-216-2461. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You are listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. 
We have Stephen Baker of the NPD Group for one more session. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. And as I was mentioning, we're using these devices now to assume functions that we would normally have applied to a personal computer. So do we see then, is it just people getting more and more devices for specialized purposes? Can they afford all that extra stuff? Well, we all hope so. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's an interesting question because, uh, frankly, you know, if you look back on the history of the uh, personal computing, uh, general purpose has always been the way people got went. No one really wanted specific purpose devices. Um, you never really were able to sell entertainment computers or gaming computers, except a very, very small number of people. Um, those, those were very small niches. The computer has been and continues to be the best general purpose device out there. And if you're going to equate tablets with computers, then they are not a general purpose device. There are lots of things that people do with their PC that they can't do with a tablet and by design in many cases. And going forward, I think what the question, again, ends up being is, is that, uh, you know, how do you convince people that you use the right tool for the right job? And if that's the case, then you need a whole belt full of tools. You can't just have one. Big tool chest. There's nothing wrong with the big tool chest. Home Depot and Lowe's have been making money for lots of years doing that. And again, I think it's important to the consumer electronics business not to um, put all its eggs in one basket and spend a lot more time um, helping people integrate all these devices together so they can use them all seamlessly as opposed to saying, you know, the, the Lord of the Rings philosophy, you know, there's one ring to rule them all. Well, I think that's not the best way for most consumers. Looking at the tablet space, though, is the potential growth of tablets more the potential growth of the iPad, or is there plenty of room for lots of players to sell lots well, of units? <laughs> Uh, I'm not a forecaster, so I'm not going to get into the into that. But um, from a product perspective, but I think there's clearly still a question mark as to, in my mind at least, whether there is a market for tablets or if there's a market for iPads. You know, nothing else has come out that's been even close to what an iPad has done or captured the imagination of consumers the way the iPad has. Frankly, when you look at all the other products, you know, you have to wonder if those can, you know, be competitive as well with the iPad. It was certainly at least off the, you know, initial uh, launches that we expect to see in the next couple of quarters. Is it going to be like the iPod, for example, where if you want a digital music player, you had dozens of models, but it was really the iPod. Yeah, well, the iPod has 70-something percent market share, and it's had that for four or five years or more at this point. And it is the you know, Kleenex of the MP3 player market, right? No one really talks about them as uh, MP3 players. They talk about them as iPods. And, you know, certainly given how uh, big a first-mover advantage Apple has in this market, you know, the idea of pads or tablets or whatever we're going to call them, you know, being coming just another iPad and uh, in, in Apple continuing to dominate that space. You'd bet on Apple continuing to maintain 
you know, 70% market share. But, you know, we would have bet on the iPhone as well. And certainly, you know, Google and the Android devices have really, you know, done a great job there in terms of uh, turning uh, consumers and giving them choice. But in that sense there, I don't think Apple expected the iPhone to be numeral uno. They're number one in terms of profits, but they expected just to get a decent share of the market with good growth every year, and that makes for success. It doesn't have to be number one. It could be number five. But if you're getting 50% more sales every year, it doesn't make a difference. You're doing well. Uh, I think that all depends on how you define success. And I would argue that while that may be their philosophy in the computer business, it is not their philosophy in the i-businesses. In the i-businesses, these are mass market businesses where the companies that have the biggest share tend to be the ones that have the most profits and tend to be the ones that, that went out in the long term. Yeah, but you see, in terms of smartphones and other stuff, you know, you had successful players like BlackBerry for quite a while. It's not where they entered a market which was underutilized. You know, like the music player market, nobody had a breakout product. In tablets, there was no breakout product. Apple enters there and they do well. With phones, if there was no iPhone, you'd still have different players. You'd still have Android because Android was purchased by Google in 2005. Well, you'd still, uh, what I would tell you is you'd still have lots of MP3 players if there wasn't the iPod. Um, the iPod, you know, did a lot of great things. It brought, you know, it was the right product at the right time. I think the iPad is the same. But while I don't disagree necessarily with what you're saying, I guess I would point out that Apple does not price or promote or focus on their computer business as being products for everybody in mass market products at mass market prices. The iPhone, the iPod, and at some point in terms of pricing, the iPad will all be mass market products sold at Walmart and Target and Sam's and all the other mass market outlets the way those products are, whereas you don't see Macs in computers in those kind of outlets because that's not what the focus is. Now, looking at the iPhone briefly again, the expectation of a Verizon iPhone, do you find your surveys people saying, I can't wait to get off AT&T and go to Verizon because I'm having trouble? You know, like so many other things, um, I think most of the AT&T noise is the, the reality distortion field that the blogs and the tech people create around themselves. Um, I do not believe, nor have I ever heard from most consumers that that is their biggest issue. If there's a Verizon iPhone, great, they'll go to Verizon if that's the carrier that they're on. Some people will switch, some people will not, but I think for the most part, um, these kind of things tend to be stirred up by a couple of people who can't, you know, get their email someplace in San Francisco. Well, if I live in San Francisco, I kind of think I would want to go to a different carrier, but that's the whole beauty of the business. If the product you want is available from different carriers and you don't have the early termination issue because of the nature of your contract, you go somewhere else. I mean, I've tried several different wireless carriers. I went to AT&T, you know, largely because of the iPhone. And where I live near Phoenix... It's okay. But I realize if you're in New York City, ooh, it could be dreadful. Well, most people don't live in New York City. <laughs> well, you know, there are lots of things to be said about that. My wife wants to go back. 
So I again, I just think that this is more of a hype issue than anything else. Clearly, you know, Apple had good reasons for wanting to give AT&T the exclusivity on the iPhone. And if it comes to pass that there is a Verizon iPhone or a CDMA iPhone, you know, I think Apple will do what is in the best interest of Apple. Of course, it's obviously not, you know, what's in your best interest. Of course, if you buy the product, it is in their best interest. If you don't buy the product, they will learn from that and they'll try something different. We hope. If they think they can grow their market share, if they think they can grow their opportunities, they think it is a profitable opportunity, then, um, you know, at some point, you will see that. But isn't that something that people forget about a company like Apple? You know, people have such a personal relationship with their consumer electronics hardware that we don't realize that we have these humongous multinational corporations behind them with the number crunchers and the sales and marketing people, and they're interested in one thing and one thing only, which is to sell as much product as they can within whatever markets they want to work in to deliver good profits, to keep their employees happy by giving them their employment opportunities, or if they want to, if they feel it's necessary, take it overseas if they have to. They're interested in profit and loss. You're interested in making your gadget. You have this personal relationship. It fulfills your needs. But with them, it's not emotional. It's all business. I think you're absolutely right. Well, you see, I can might as well stop it right there. (laughs) Stephen Baker, where do we find more of the things that you write about? Uh, Well, you can always come to the NPD website, which is easily named npd.com and click on the blog and and myself and some of our other uh, analysts are um, always putting some interesting things up there. Always interesting between you and, of course, our friend Ross Rubin, someone we've known for many, many years before he was an industry analyst. Yes, Ross, and we also have um, a great content analyst named uh, Russ Krupnik. And obviously, uh, if you're interested in video games, NPD is the premier place that tracks and talks about the uh, video game industry as well. Stephen Baker, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks a lot, Gene. Glad to be here. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Rob Pegarero from the Washington Post, where he's a personal technology columnist. And we're going to explore the good, bad, and ugly of 2010, and just stuff we're going to make up on the spot. But I want to start with net neutrality. And the reason is because, depending on whom you ask, net neutrality is going to be great for the consumer because it means that ISPs can't throttle your traffic because you decide to download from someplace that didn't pay them extra money for a bandwidth. And other people say, well, net neutrality, it means the government's taking control of the Internet. So what's going on here, man? Yeah, it's definitely not the government taking control of the Internet or anything close to that. Um Now, as you mentioned, the phrase can encompass a lot of different things. Uh, You know, at one end, it's simply, you know, should IS, should the government prohibit Internet providers from blocking certain lawful uses, say, preventing you from getting to uh, a video service that competes with something they offer 
uh, stopping you from using, say, internet calling solutions, such as the one I'm talking to you on right now. And then you get into more advanced levels. Should it be okay if an internet provider can't prohibit, you know, block traffic to a site, can it slow it down? If it can't slow traffic down to a site, can it charge a different site for faster access, for guaranteed connection to its subscribers? Um, You know, what if it's a wireless connection versus wired? There's a lot of different ways to do this sort of thing. And, you know, it doesn't help when you see people throwing around phrases like, the government's going to control the Internet. Uh, If anything, net neutrality is about making sure that, that neither the government nor your Internet provider can regulate what you want to do on the Internet. Let me ask you a quick question here about net neutrality. And maybe this is the point where people get confused about it. So, for example, if I want faster service, I have different tiers of service available for my ISP. You know, I want 5 megabits, I pay this amount of money. I want 20, I pay this amount of money. So, at least from my end of it, if I want more bandwidth... I have to pay for it, and they have the right also to cap bandwidth. They can say, I can only download so much before they have to either stop it or charge extra money. Is that right? Correct. And net neutrality doesn't stop that at all. The key word here is, remember, it's net neutrality, not getting stuff for free. So in this case, whether you're looking at a speed restriction, a bandwidth cap, whether it's, it's daily, monthly, and average throughput number that's all fine because it doesn't discriminate among how you use up that quota of data or that speed limit uh what's different is when you know look at the first generation of mobile broadband service plans you would have things in their terms and conditions saying you know you could not use streaming audio or video you know you could download the biggest file you wanted you could download service pack 2 for windows over and over and over again but if you listen to a web radio station uh, that would get you in trouble you know, if, if your wireless carrier knows, which they wouldn't. Well, that's the interesting question there, too. Why would it cause more problems? Because instead of grabbing a huge file, you're just streaming at a constant rate. Or do they think after a certain period of time, you're actually getting more bandwidth that way? There was never any logic behind those kind of restrictions. I mean, that's why most carriers have since dropped that. You still see uh, restrictions that are in themselves not entirely logical, but that are that are not as likely to annoy or infuriate users. Things like you know you, you can't use your phone to continuously serve up a webcam image or a video stream, you know that sort of thing. Although, of course, you know the, the more phones that have cameras attached and you have you're running programs like FaceTime or Quick, that in itself is a continuous video feed. Um, yeah, I mean, data is data, and if there are certain kinds of uses that uh, impede the network because it's just too much data going back and forth, you know, there are ways to regulate your your uh, your user's consumption of your bandwidth that don't involve saying this application, this site is okay, this one is off limits. I mean, trying to legislate usage like that is I don't know why companies bother. It's just a waste of time. You know, if you if you don't have enough capacity to deal with your users, say, well, you know, you get this this many megabytes of data a month or a day, um, and once you use it up, we'll, we'll slow down your connection. We'll charge you one way or another. I suspect the reason there though is because it's a lot easier to tell people, oh, it's unlimited connection. But I suspect though it may just be easier from the internet provider's perspective if 
they don't have to threaten users with being charged extra. They just have lots of little fine print restrictions that most of them don't even notice. Whereas if you have to tell the user, you know, you went over your limit, we're going to punish you by charging you extra, you know, that's less pleasant. Customers don't tend to like that so much. Well, didn't this all start, this net neutrality thing, when I think it was Comcast, I forget, one of the ISPs. Comcast and BitTorrent? Pardon? Comcast and BitTorrent? Yes, okay, so BitTorrent is where you download files, and sometimes those files are not legal. So apparently Comcast, for whatever reason, was either blocking it or throttling it so it downloads very, very slowly. Yep. Yeah, that was the, it wasn't the first case, but certainly the most high-profile one since Comcast is, you know, I believe it's the biggest Internet provider in the U.S. And, um, you know, they, one of the things people do with BitTorrent is download videos, you know, copies of TV shows, movies, which you might otherwise pay Comcast for. And so it looked bad on multiple levels. And the thing is, Comcast has said, you know, look, we were wrong to do that. We're not going to do it again. You know, we have a different sort of usage scheme now. They have a, a strict bandwidth cap. If you go under 250, over 250 gigabytes of data a month, you get charged extra. Well, you have to download quite to do. a few high-definition movies to get to that, right? Quite a few. I only know of one person who exceeded it, uh, technology writer Glenn Fleischman, and he, he busted the cap because... He was testing a few online backup solutions. Of course, that's Glenn Fleischman. We understand that. Right. <laughs> so, and, you know, Comcast has said, this is not something we need to do. And that's the funny thing. You, you talk to internet providers, none of them say, yeah, we want to get into saying you can use this site, but not that one. We're going to charge you more for this one, but not this other one. Uh, I guess they, they're just trying to avoid any sort of government regulation. Well, good for them, except this issue does keep coming up. And in this case, of course... The controversy over it, why would people think that simply telling an ISP, keep the pipes open, except within your service limits, keep the pipes open, that's considered government control? Why? I can't understand this. Shockingly enough, people don't always tell the truth in political discussions. I know it it comes... Really? Really? Yeah, I mean, the whole discussion, it hasn't always been the most honest one. For a long time, there was, and you still see this come up from time to time. You have, uh, you know, certain large internet providers suggesting that companies like Google or Amazon are somehow freeloading when, in fact, the only reason that an internet provider might be carrying a lot of traffic to and from Google or an Amazon or a Netflix is because their customers wanted it. Their customers were paying for that connection. And if they're, they're not making enough money from their customers to cover their bandwidth costs, maybe they should charge more, implement a bandwidth cap. Do whatever. But it's easier to suggest, and used to see this quite a lot, that, oh, Google's getting a free ride. Um, No, they're not. Remember also, in order to deliver that to you, Google is paying for umpteen thousand servers. They're paying for bandwidth for a bandwidth provider at their end to send the stuff to you. So they're already paying for it. And you're paying for what you consume. And that's the whole point. If you're paying for what you consume, does the ISP have a right then to regulate that and say, this person is giving me a kickback on the other end. They deserve to get through. But the little company that deserves a place in the sun to build a business, they can't afford to give me that money. You can't have their content. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. (laughs) 
It is. We'll talk about more ridiculous stuff and not so ridiculous stuff in a moment. Let me remind you, first of all, that if you want to get in touch with us here at the Tech Night Owl Live, send your email to news at com. That's news at com. We can't promise we'll answer each and every letter we receive, but we try to respond to most of them, so we'd love to hear from you. We have Rob Pegarero. He's a personal technology columnist for The Washington Post. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is definitely the Tech Night Owl Live. This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. This connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, this time warns of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. You heard me right. The GAO is drawing a parallel between the U.S. economy, its debt, and the current Greek economic meltdown. With the debt-to-GDP chart climbing into unfamiliar territory, the growing budget deficit will rise to unsupportable levels. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American, covering the risk of continued deficit spending coupled with an aging population and the rising interest rates spell economic disaster. It's imperative that you get a copy of this document and study it for yourself. Call me today at 800-686-2237, and I'll send you a free copy. Again, call 800-686-2237 and ask for your copy of the CBO document. Once again, you need to read this government report. Call 800-686-2237. 
question. What would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. We have Rob Pegarero, his personal technology columnist for the Washington Post. We're trying to create a reality check about net neutrality, whether it means the government wants to take over the Internet or simply to tell the ISPs they have to be a little more circumspect in how they control things. And that's another question I have about this whole network thing. It also comes on the heels of Comcast's merger or alignment with NBC. So suddenly, Comcast has control of not just the Internet bandwidth pipes for a lot of people, but the content. Exactly, yeah. And so that gets into other issues. You know, Comcast has been in these discussions before. But there's a whole separate issue where you look at, you know, what's your access to online video uh, that, you know, is you might otherwise be paying for uh, through a cable or satellite subscription. So... You know, there's a site called Hulu, which NBC owns a stake in, which you can watch on a lot of devices, but on other ones you have to pay extra for it. Sometimes Hulu will block you from viewing TV shows at the site, even though you're using a standard web browser. Um, you know, the one in Google TV is the most famous case. There's another browser called Kylo from a company in Rockville, Maryland, that uh, all it does is provide a 10-foot interface for, uh, you know, use for the remote control when you have your laptop plugged into your TV. Hulu blocks that as well. So will Comcast want to do more of this? You know, they, they say they won't. But, you know, obviously it's something the FCC is, and I guess the FTC are looking into. Well, in the end, I guess the question here is not so much whether they have the right to have a partnership. The question is, at that point, if they're going to do that, if they try to abuse the market by preventing you from getting competing content or withholding the content from other ISPs who, you know, might be in areas where there is no Comcast, that could be a problem. Right. You know, there, there's this dynamic. I won't necessarily call it a shift, although I think it, there, there is one going on. You know, are people going to keep paying for these ever more expensive bundles of TV channels, or are you going to be able to replace them with individual sites? And that's what I've done myself. 
you know, I find that a site like Hulu or ESPN3.com really helpful for sort of filling in the gaps for providing what I don't get over the air. But isn't that also a mistake on the part of the cable companies and satellite companies? Right now, for example, I want to watch maybe 10 stations during my month, 10, 15 stations, okay? But to get those 10 or 15 stations, I have to get 300. Exactly. That's preposterous. I'm paying yeah. for the maximum package because I want that. But then if I want to get 10 separate services, Hulu and this, that, and the other thing, to get the same stations, suddenly I'm not saving any money because I have to get the premium of this or get the TV programs from Apple TV or someone, and it becomes a big mess. There's no a la carte in any decent way. Now, you, you get a lot closer to it online than uh, in the traditional multi-channel TV service business. And, yeah, I mean, you're right. It doesn't scale. No one has enough time to watch that much TV. I sure don't. You know, we've got a five-month-old at home, so that's... You have you know. no time. Right. And, and plus, you know, whatever money we might have once had to waste on pay TV service is going to child care. So, end of that discussion. Okay, so the question here is, from the standpoint of the cable TV provider, you know, maybe this one-size-fits-all is going to hurt them in the end. Maybe they should have a more granular way of picking the stations you want. It doesn't cost them any more money, does it? It's just it like a computer back-end setting. You, you could say, you know what? Get a special package, 25 stations, whatever you want. If it's premium channels like HBO or Showtime, yes, you pay more because that's logical. But if I say, you know, I want MSNBC, but not Fox News. Fox News is on the basic cable, but MSNBC is two tiers up. Or I want them both and nothing else. I should have that. And that's been possible technically for a while. You know, once you have a digital system, there's no reason why they can't serve up only the channels you want. It's more of a business model problem. When they have existing contracts, say, if you're, if you're going to carry, uh, you know, ABC, then you need to carry all these other channels. If you're going to carry, I don't know, Comedy Central or... Uh, the History Channel, there's going to be all these other things you must carry with it, even though you don't necessarily want that. Uh, you know, it gets really crazy with sports programming. You know, I was looking at the, the Fios package a while back. You know, if you want to get the regional sports network around here, I guess both of them, Mid-Atlantic Sportsnet, Comcast Sportsnet, you know, you're looking at this package where you're also paying for the Big Ten network. Well, I went to a Big E school. My wife went to an ACC school. I don't care about the Big Ten that much. I don't need that channel. Well, isn't that also possibly the cable companies and satellite companies are missing out on a deal here because, yes, you will pay maybe less per package if you get the 300 stations, but, you know, a lot of people would be willing to pay 25 or $30 for the 10 stations they want. But then, as you say, the contracts, you know, if you have a contract with a particular network, USA Network or Fox or Showtime, guaranteeing them a certain number of potential viewers, suddenly they're not available. That can also cause problems. But in the end, doesn't make a difference. People are going to get whatever stations they want. If they have 300, they'll still watch those 10. Yeah. And the other thing a lot of you know cable and satellite companies will say is, oh, you'd pay more in the end. Well, my response to that is, prove me wrong. You have made a falsifiable assertion. Let's go test it. Put an a la carte offer in the marketplace, and we'll see. And I can assure you, I would find a way to spend less just to end that discussion. Well, in this case here, it would have to be up to the FCC to enforce that rule. And again, 
you know, with a very sharply divided government, the FCC is going to have to fight different interests and it's never going to work. Well, that was something the, the prior FCC chair, Kevin Martin, talked a lot about under the Bush administration. And nothing ever happened. And that was a case where there was undivided government. So, you know, and obviously not all Republicans feel the same way as he did. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Eventually, one of these services is going to have to crack and give people a little flexibility because this business model does not scale. Well, I think also there's a point where people are going to have to look and say, you know what? Why do I have to pay 100 or $125 a month to get these 10 stations I want? With 290 stations, I don't care about. I don't need them. At one point, they're going to start looking more into Apple TV and Hulu and all the other options. In the end, the cable and satellite companies lose subscribers. And right now, they're eroding. They're not growing the market as much as they used to. Yep. Yep. The, uh, the multi-channel services have lost customers in the last two quarters. Well, I can tell you also, in my personal experiences, none of them offer really good customer service. Even though they have to struggle for every dollar they're earning, every customer they sign up, I can give you horror stories with every one of those companies. Yep, I've heard quite a few myself. I know I spend time ragging against Dish Network and also against Cox, which is our local cable provider. But I tried to set up direct TV once, and the installer that came out, and they hired a third-party installer, not a company man. Yeah. The guy was a downright idiot. He couldn't aim the thing right to get the reception. I had a clear path to, what is it, southeast or whatever. Clear path to their satellite. Couldn't figure out how to do it. We can figure out how to tell you. We've had Rob Pegarero of the Washington Post, where he's a personal technology columnist. A lot more to talk about. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from some many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you can download a version that is mostly full featured try it out and if you like it it's just 34.95 for graphic converter from lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e-s-o-f-t.com lemkesoft.com for my favorite graphic converter Hi, I'm here talking with Don Wiskin of HeartDrop.com. I understand that you changed the name of your product, Don. Yes, we did. It's now Extendabyte, meaning to extend your life. Wow, extend your life. Everybody wants to extend their life. How is it made, Don? Well, Extendabyte is made from herbs gathered from many different parts of the world. We chose seven of the heart and health-related herbs known to improve your health. Your heart drops have always kept me from feeling sick or run down, Don. Will Extendivite continue to do the same thing for me? 
Yes, it will. All we changed was the name. I'm here because at 42, I had a heart attack and the garlic cayenne drops gave me back my life. We have been talking with Don Wiskin about his exciting new product called Extendivite. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit his website at heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. One of the most potent ways to lower blood pressure is to inhibit the angiotensin-converting enzyme in the body, also called ACE. In nature, there are a group of proteins found in unheated way that inhibit the ACE enzyme. The most potent ACE inhibitor to date is lactokinin. While lactokinin does not have the inhibitory potency of synthetic drugs commonly used in the treatment of hypertension, this naturally occurring whey peptide may be able to help keep blood pressure normal. The most powerful whey protein supplement on the market is One World Whey. One World Whey is the first ever unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. One World Whey is easily digested and tastes delicious. Use One World Whey to support your exercise or weight loss goals, your optimal blood pressure, energy, endurance, and mood. To order, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's One World W-H-E-Y dot com. Fact. Wood burning stoves, factory smokestacks, smog and chemical fumes in the home are all sources of air contamination that can make you sick. Your exposure to airborne toxic particulate matter and volatile organic compounds every day may be the cause of fatigue, flu-like symptoms, or worse. These are bad conditions for the very young, older, and the chemically sensitive. Protect yourself and clean your airspace with the HealthMate Plus from AirFiltersAndPurifiers.com. Get free answers on how to clean your airspace by calling AirFiltersAndPurifiers.com. 800 499 Ask how the HealthMate Plus can trap 99.97% of all polluting particulates. Buy the HealthMate Plus now with no tax, free shipping, a five-year warranty, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. GCN listeners, get 5% off by using promo code GCN. Call 800-499-2418 or go to airfiltersandpurifiers.com. Your trusted advisor for clean air. Give a gift of clean air this holiday season from airfiltersandpurifiers.com. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have a couple more segments with Rob Pegarero of the Washington Post, and we were focusing on the Tech Night Out Live with net neutrality also about whether the cable and satellite providers could be mandated or encouraged to offer a la carte services. And I don't think I have a single listener who would dispute with that. But let's look at some other subjects here because we're looking into the expectations for 2011 and what happened in 2010. In 2010, I was mentioning before we started, let's look at a couple of the downers in terms of stories. Antennagate. You know, you hold your iPhone 4 in the wrong way and suddenly reception is impacted. Do you think that hurt Apple for a time? It did hurt the company. I think it was more a case of, uh, you know, a sort of clumsy halting response that set it back. You know, you notice how many people have complained about Antennagate since Apple said, fine, here's your free case. Go away. Kind of falling off the map. Um, You know, it was one of these cases where 
you know, an inadequate reply to the first concerns. Oh, is there software? I'm sorry. We weren't showing enough bars on the screen. We were showing too many, you know, sets off everybody. The story goes viral. Suddenly, you know, every incremental blog post I can do gets a million clicks. Uh, yeah. They just simply said, well, you know, we might have a problem. We'll investigate. I would have uh, ended a lot sooner. So, yeah, the whole story is still kind of weird. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some very good, at the very least, a, a very funny TikTok story written about it eventually. You know, one thing also I think that it exposed some of problems with the way people test these products. Like, for example, I'm going to rag on Consumer Reports because I think Consumer Reports blew it big time. Consumer Reports invents this, what one antenna scientist called kind of a crazy quilt test in a laboratory to show antenna gate works only on the iPhone. But we know that virtually every smartphone or mobile device, if you hold them the wrong way and you cover them or cup them in a certain way, you're going to affect reception. This is the way the laws of physics works, but not in the minds of Consumer Reports. I don't understand that. You know, their right to do detailed testing, you know, and it certainly is a real problem since I have, you know, one of my colleagues kept on bugging me, you've got to write about this. This is hugely annoying. Although I should note that this guy, since he eventually hates every phone he gets, I'm not sure he should actually use a mobile device at all. But he did, you know, had a real issue, and I heard about it from other folks as well. Um, you know, there's just this weird dynamic about stories about Apple where, you know, you can have all sorts of other glitches, you know, the, the battery life on some Android phones, you know, which is a real problem. Just don't get that much attention. And I can't entirely explain it. Well, it's Apple. Anything that Apple does, it merits attention, even if the manuals of some of these other products. You know, like I saw a screenshot of a manual, I think, from an HTC device. And it says, don't hold it this way. It affects reception. But Consumer Reports doesn't read manuals when they test products, you know? Well, actually, I don't read manuals. You shouldn't read manuals. If you have to read the manual on the product, the product is not well designed. I understand that, but I think if you're reviewing a product, don't you sometimes at least check the documentation to say, hey, it's good documentation or bad documentation? Nah, mostly it's all bad documentation. Oh, I have to tell you. <laughs> this was page, I think, 13 of their manual. Lucky 13, don't do that. Mm. And what we think, you know, Consumer Reports supposed to be incorruptible. That's how it works. The other thing was the Microsoft Kin. The Microsoft yeah. Kin lasted, what, two hours? Well, I think it was 48 days. That was the New York Times count. I, I need to sort of double check. It did come and go so fast. Regardless, that's got to be an embarrassing failure. What is, for example, the Windows Phone 7 devices doing? Are they doing okay? I mean, I saw this sale that AT&T is having two for one. Doesn't two-for-one mean, we have a problem? No, that happens with most phones. From what I've seen, Windows Phone 7 is off to a decent start. Microsoft said, uh, yeah, it was last week, they've sold one and a half million units, not to consumers, to retailers and to carriers, in the first month. I'd say that's a pretty good start. I'm not surprised to see prices cut, because these phones were initially overpriced. They were charging $200 for a device that, to me, is more like a $100 phone. And, you know, there should be plenty of profit margin built in, given, you know, not just the price of the phone, but what you'll pay in wireless service afterwards. I like Windows Phone 7 overall. I think it's, it's a good OS. It's not great if you like to run a lot of apps. But for just basic, you know, what's on my schedule? Uh, where, where am I uh, on the streets of New York? 
what do I need to look up on the web? Can I check my Facebook status? It works pretty well. It's a million times better than Windows Mobile, that's for sure. But the question is here, merely being decent, is that good enough nowadays with Android and Apple leapfrog each other with hardware and software features? No, Microsoft certainly hasn't picked the easiest market to get into. But, yeah, I mean, I think there is room for a third OS. And in some respects, Windows Phone 7 is, is still missing opportunities. You know, you would think that a Microsoft mobile phone operating system would, would guarantee a seamless and easy sync to your contacts and calendar stored in Microsoft's Outlook software. That is not the case with Windows Phone 7. Unless you're using Outlook in an office, you can't synchronize it to Outlook. If you want to sync your phone to Outlook, you should get an iPhone or a BlackBerry. We still offer that. that Isn't uh, that funny that Apple sometimes offers better support for Microsoft devices than Microsoft does? My only theory, maybe the Windows Phone 7 developers, maybe those guys are at the other end of the campus from the Outlook guys, and they just don't run into each other in the cafeteria often enough to <laughs> work out the problem. Or they're being lobbied by the Mac business unit. Ah, <laughs> But the Mac business unit, I have to say this about Microsoft, and I always have this love-hate relationship with Microsoft products. The Mac business unit, they are such nice people to deal with. I really like them. You know, I can't hate Microsoft after that. You know, they try hard to do good stuff. Yeah, no, they, they certainly progressed since Word 6 for the Mac. Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday. I was writing this book. And I had to do a chapter on Word 6, and I complained, and I complained about what it... No, we don't want to do that. Okay, so Windows Phone 7, okay, looking decent. Let's look at other good things for 2011. They're now talking about iPad 2. There's this alleged case that's online showing what the cutouts are going to be on iPad 2. What are you expecting? Uh, you know, it's, it's obvious the next iPad has got to have a camera. Apple is putting FaceTime in every mobile device, uh, certainly every computer. You know, it's no longer an iSight webcam. It's a FaceTime webcam. So it's going to show up on the iPad, uh, I can, which inevitably means there will also be some new case for it that will actually let you stand the iPad upright so you can just put it on your coffee table and have a normal conversation instead of holding this thing in front of you. Uh, I don't know. Retina display? You, you may not... You might not be able to have that same pixel density on a screen that large. It's going to cost a lot. I have to think the cost of all those pixels, putting them into those screens, even if Apple orders 40 or 50 million screens, it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, it would be nice to see an SD card slot on this thing, something, anything to make it easier to get data on and off of it. You can't have the only options be iTunes or one or another uh, web service, you know, Dropbox or what have you. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. Just I wanted to interrupt you quickly before we split for the next break. Isn't there something in the European Union that requires that you have some kind of unified connection port on these mobile devices, like a mini USB port or something like that? Uh, I believe it's a micro USB for power. I don't, I don't know that you have to use that for data transfer. And Apple has said they're going to comply with it. I don't know how they do that. Are they just going to have a little dongle? I mean... Personally, I won't mind the disappearance of the iPod dock. I think that's, you know, the dock connector is nice, but come on. Every other device in the universe pretty much employs micro USB. It's a standard. It works. So Apple will get with the program. Eventually they have to. You know, I think Apple eventually learns from, you know, excesses or mistakes. We have Rob Pegarero. Learns from his mistakes because he doesn't make any. He's a <laughs> 
personal oh, technology. Yeah. See, hey, hey, man, I'm I'm giving you a boost here. He's a personal technology columnist for the Washington Post. Seriously enough, also seriously enough, we want to hear from you. We have forums. Yes, indeed, we have forums. Go to forum.technighthow.com. That's forum.technighthow.com. All you have to do is sign up, give yourself a unique username, and once you've done that, you're ready to participate. You're ready to get in on the fun, the Tech Night Owl Live forums. I'm Gene Steinberg. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists to help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump outs and repairs and remove septic system stench all with a 100% success rate see what gives biosafe one septic solution the advantage over any other septic product at biosafe1.com that's b i o s a f e o n e.com biosafe1.com or call toll free 1-866-424-6663 that's 1-866-424-6663 biosafe one the guaranteed biofriendly money saving way to clean your septic system Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a silver dollar in a book explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hey! <laughs> 
Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have a little more time to spend with Rob Pegarero of the Washington Post, where he's a personal technology columnist. And we were looking at the good, bad, and ugly for 2010, what's coming up in 2011. Now, we're expecting the iPad 2 will be out, what, February, March, or something like that? Is that what you've heard? Uh, you know, for the sake of all the people who just unwrapped an iPad for Christmas, I really hope it's not February. But, you know, Apple likes to do these things in yearly cycles. And the last iPad it debuted uh, was, it was shipped on Good Friday, if I remember correctly, and that was April. So... I'd be very surprised if it wasn't around by April. March is a possibility. May seems almost a certainty. You think also, of course, in this case, it's not going to be announcing a product and shipping it two months later because you don't want to gut sales of what's in the inventory channels. So they would say, okay, here's the iPad 2 or whatever they call it, the iPad Super Plus, whatever it's going to be. It's shipping today. It's shipping next week. That's usually how they do it. Uh, You know, the question is, now, as I recall, they originally, the original justification for announcing it in advance was, well, look, you know, once we submit this thing to the FCC, it's going to show up. People will find out about it. Now, presumably, a new iPad will also have a new mobile broadband version, and that same issue would come up. So I'm not sure how Apple will do that. Well, they manage with the iPhones. Well, you know, the, the last time around, the, the, the risk of inadvertent disclosure before shipment was sort of, <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was solved for them by uh, Greg Powell losing the prototype. I wonder if he has been appropriately disciplined for his stupidity, or was it just stolen from his backpack? We never know. We'll never know the truth. Okay, Verizon iPhone, definitely for 2011, right? Oh, God, I hope so. I'm really, really tired of getting that question. I think that, you know, if if Apple doesn't announce this and if it doesn't arrive in the next few months, you know, if if Apple has some product launched in San Francisco announced with a week's notice and it doesn't involve a Verizon iPhone, the next time they have a product announced, product event, uh, you know, you may see some journalists, not me, showing up with bombs because we're all tired of this drama. Just get it over with already. Well, the other issue, of course, is that, you know, I don't have a problem, but there are people in a lot of parts of the country, AT&T doesn't work. How does it work for you? 
Uh, I don't have AT&T myself. Um, the services, friends of mine have had it in D.C., and they've been not so happy. When I've tried AT&T phones, it's usually been fine. Um, but, yeah, they have issues. Uh, there's no denying that. And, you know, the, the basic idea that one wireless carrier is enough for everyone, that's not usually the case. Most other devices don't spend three years as the sole property of one network. But wasn't that, you know, maybe the price to get AT&T to accept the iPhone and give Apple all the control? Right. You know, you do have to sort of rewind what things were like in 2006. What was the state of the smartphone back then? And, yeah, AT&T gave up a lot. They've certainly, I trust they've made a healthy amount of money off the iPhone, even with all the network and uh, capacity upgrades they've had to do. But, you know... All good things must end. There's certainly a lot of people who are not going to switch to AT&T under any circumstance. They've had plenty of chances to do so, and they haven't. So, yeah, you've got to think it's time to open this thing up. And also the question will be here, of course, the one limitation of the CDMA service is simultaneous voice and data, which you can have on AT&T. Will Verizon work around that, or will you have to put up with that until they go to the next generation, the long-term evolution network. Now, LTE is not going to allow that either because LTE is not going to involve voice as a digital service, not at the start. It's going to continue to run on the same, uh, you know, technically the, the 2G or 1X RTT circuit that it's on now. So you won't see a change with that. There, there is a way to have some simultaneous voice and data over CDMA. But, you know, given... Most people don't actually spend that much time talking on their phones these days, not smartphones. And if you have Wi-Fi, if you're in a Wi-Fi area, then, of course, you can talk and, and surf at the same time. I don't think that's as big of a deal as AT&T would like to make it out to be. Maybe not, but I do it occasionally, you know, so what can you say? And as you say, if there is a way to do it, if there is a way to allow that to happen, I think Apple would want that. Apple is very demanding. And Verizon, I gather Verizon's customer increases haven't been as high in the past quarter or two, so they'd like to have an iPhone running there. Certainly, yeah. It would, I would imagine that would get a few more people on their stores. We'll have to see how that shakes out next year. What other things you expect, and do you think that 3D TV is ever going to gain any traction, or is it one of those things that's a flash in the pan? Because of Avatar, we said it has to be 3D. Well, maybe not. Exactly. You know, Avatar, it's a movie. You can reshoot it and reshoot it over and over again. And you can make it so it really works. You know, it, it adds something to the movie. That's not necessarily the case with live TV. Uh, the last 3D event I saw was a basketball game. And, and that may be the worst possible sport for 3D TV. You know why? Because every time you have... You know what really jumps out at you when you're watching hoops? Not the people actually playing basketball. You have the officials, but the worst of all, anytime somebody in the stands, a beer vendor or whatever, gets up and you've got a crowd shot, you're looking at them out of the game. Um, and they're popping into your eyeballs. Yeah, so I don't think it adds a whole lot. You know, the, the cost of adding 3D to a TV seems to have gone down a lot. You know, you're not spending that much extra, but I don't because know. Because they can't sell any. Yeah, I, I don't think I've heard from a single reader who said, you know, this is on my must-have list. It's certainly not on mine. I've got a year, well, it's now a year-and-a-half-old HDTV, and I have no interest in upgrading that to 3D. Besides which, except for this small number of live shows, you have, what, six movies? 
in 3D, who needs it? Yeah, it's a very small selection. It's only Blu-ray. So if, you know, if you're watching something off uh, Netflix uh, over the Internet, that's not going to work for you. Uh, yeah, the, the live selection is very limited. ESPN 3D is, you know, we're talking a handful of games a week on a good week. So it's a technology that was a flash in the plan, you think? Unless, of course, they come up with 3D that's seamless enough that it doesn't require glasses. And there is a company out there called 3D Fusion. And the guy who runs it, Stephen Blumenthal, was on our show a couple of weeks back. He thinks he has a method, but that's still a couple of years out. Yeah, and the thing is, if you do have a, a glassless kind of 3D method, then, you know, if it's a new standard, then that breaks a lot of existing sets. It, 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 you know, is that going to work with all, all of, <laughs> however many copies of uh, 3D movies have been sold on Blu-ray? You know, a better standard might help it out, but fragmenting the 3D standard is not exactly going to help this thing get any further along in the marketplace. Remember that Blu-ray was delayed because we had the HD DVD format. Remember that? Good times. All four people who bought into that format, you know? Yep. Mm. Now, do I recall correctly you would get a discount if you traded in the HD DVD movies for Blu-ray? I don't know. Did somebody do that? That would have been smart. Yeah, I think they might have because Blu-ray was probably a year too late. I mean, it's done well. But if Blu-ray came here as the exclusive protocol, exclusive technology a year earlier, it would have gone a lot further. There's a lot of ways they could have done that better. I mean, you know, you look at what little thing. You know, I think HD DVD, for instance, I think they would have had a much better shot in the marketplace if they had standardized from the start said every disc we release is going to be hybrid. HD on one side, DVD on the other side. If you buy it, you're going to be able to watch it no matter what. Uh, and you don't have to pay $10 more for each one. Exactly. Uh, you know, Blu-ray, there is now a way to do that on Blu-ray as well, but no one's supporting that either. And you know what? I'm, I'm through with buying repeat copies of the same thing. But, you know, HD is, is nicer than 480p, yeah, but upconverted 480p DVDs look pretty good as well. And so, 10 feet away from the TV, who cares? And exactly. do I really want to buy another copy of the Beatles recordings after 40 years? I've had enough. Rob Pegarero, where can we find more of the things you write about? WashingtonPost.com slash Rob Pegarero. And you don't have to learn to spell it. We have his name with a link at TechNightOwl.com slash radio. So you know where to find Rob Pegarero. A reminder, you can find us at TechNightHowl.com for my daily commentaries. You can also check us out on Twitter. TechNightHowl at Twitter. Our other show, the one about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Tech Night Out Live. A special thanks to Rob Pegarero. Thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.